You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. About an hour away from the start of Texas Tech in South Florida. Three great bowl games on tap. Here at Fantasy Sports Radio and Television Network, we've partnered up with a great organization, DKMS, looking to delete blood cancer throughout the nation, looking for donors as well. Rich, we have a great fantasy game here at Fantasy Sports Network where you can win the opportunity to win Super Bowl tickets. It's a great organization and a cause that's very close to the both of our hearts. Yeah, we've both been touched by blood cancer going back uh, decades in my family. I know you personally as well. And I mean, you and I have had a lot of great picks this fall, this winter. There has been no better pick than the teaming up of the Fantasy Sports Network and DKMS. Love what they're doing. We're two days away from Christmas, Joe. This is the season of giving. Why not be uh, giving the gift of life? Become a donor. Play our fantasy football game. Win one of these final weeks. You'll be put into a Week 17 pool. Win that and tell them what they're going to be getting, Joe. Well, if they win that pool, they'll be going to Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis. If you want to learn more about DKMS, go to DKMS.org. If you want to join the fantasy game, go to DailyRoto.com backslash DKMS. That's DailyRoto.com backslash DKMS. Or go to RotoExperts.com backslash DKMS. Join up. It's free. Win win-win for everyone or you could call 844-843-6879 that's 844-843-6879 we'll turn our attention to the belt bowl rich last year it was virginia tech over arkansas this year a sexy matchup it's wake forest texas a&m john wolford very well in terms of his production this year he threw 25 touchdown passes Texas A&M with an interim head coach, but I don't think it matters. I like Nick Starkle. I like Christian Kirk, Keith Ford, and Travion Williams to dominate this matchup. I think they win seven points or more over the Demon Deacons. It is an interesting matchup. I think it's a matchup that really matters for Wake Forest and Dave Clawson. This is a program that played unexpectedly well. You touched on John Wolford. Number 10 in the entire country in passing efficiency despite losing his best wide receiver, Greg Dortch, uh, is slightly after the halfway point of the season. Wake Forest concerns me defensively. They slip towards the end of the year. Duke Ejiofor, their best player at defensive end. But I'm going to go back to something that Gabe said in the last segment, which is interim coaches have struggled so far this uh, postseason, and it's understandable. I'm going to take the stability of Wake Forest, the better quarterback of Wake Forest, the Jimbo Fisher era hasn't begun yet, but I think the uh, Kevin Sumlin era is going to end with a loss. I think Wake Forest, with their want to, finds a way to win this ball game. They lost that ball game to Kansas State last year. He did not coach well from an offensive perspective in that ball game. I think there's a change here. John Chavis still on the defensive staff. Think he'll have that defense ready, and more importantly, when you look at Wake Forest, they're allowing 191 rushing yards to opposing offenses. I love Keith Ford and Williams to exploit that defense up the middle. That'll be the difference. Seven-point win for Texas A&M in that ballgame. When we come back, we'll be talking about the Sun Bowl and the other bowl matchups. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonell are live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Turning our attention to two of our favorite bowls, the Holiday and Sun Bowl. We'll start with the Holiday Bowl. Last year, Mike Leach and the crew, lackluster effort. They lost that matchup to Minnesota 17-12. to Have a very solid opponent in Michigan State and Mark D'Antonio, 9-3 and overall. Rich, a, a lot of uh, uh, t- uh, players out for this ball game. Martin, Isaiah uh, Mack out for this game as well. Jones Mack, uh, leading receivers for Washington State. And Hercules Mata'afa. Not playing the first half, but I still like Washington State here. I love their defense. 36 total sacks on the year, 24%. Uh, third down defense, number one in FBS. To me, that's the difference. I like the Cougars 10 points or more in this ballgame. You know, Joe, when I looked at the schedule when it first came out, December the 3rd, the bowl season, uh, this was the game that jumped out at me initially. Really? I, 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 I love Michigan State. If I had to say my favorite pick in all 39 of the bowl games, I think it's the Spartans, and I'll tell you why. I, I just think this program is trending in the right direction. I like young teams that sort of build ahead of steam going through the regular season and then now have a chance with 15 practices, a month with the coaching staff to get a little bit better. I'm a big fan of Brian Lewerke, the quarterback at Michigan State. The defense is young. Josiah Scott on the back end, Joe Bocci at linebacker, Kenny Wilkes, the defensive end. I just think they're trending in the right direction, whereas... Washington State, you mentioned a couple of key players. Mata off out of the first half is a big deal. He's an outstanding, uh, pressuring kind of, kind of a defensive lineman. Washington State, though, I'm not sure if they're really into this game. This was a team that was thinking Pac-12 North title throughout the season. They were flat against Washington at the end of the regular season. They laid an egg last bowl season against Minnesota under Mike Leach. Luke Falk was up and down throughout the year, got benched for a time under Mike Leach. So I'm not really big on Washington. I agree with you on the defense. Alex Grinch has done a great job. I just think Michigan State really is putting a lot of stock, a lot of effort into this bowl game. I think they win this Holiday Bowl. I think they finish the season on a high note. Well, I'll say this about the Holiday Bowl. I think it'll be high scoring for a change. We've seen some lower scoring games. You mentioned Luke Falk. I mean, completed 66% of his passes, 30 touchdowns. The difference from Washington State's offense this year uh, from last year is last year they were able to run the football more consistently for a Mike Leach offense. They were averaging around 120 rushing yards per game. That allowed them to maintain drives and more importantly, rest their defense in critical situations, Rich. This year, they're only averaging 74 rushing yards per game has put more pressure on the offensive line. They've allowed a lot of sacks, and Luke Falk's been under pressure all season long. But I'll go back to that Alex Grinch defense. They're holding opposing offenses to 147 rushing yards per game, only 167 to opposing quarterback 
Hawks on the back end. They match up in man-to-man coverage. I think they could force Lewerke into into mistakes in that ball game. And more importantly, 36 total sacks. He loves to blitz. That's the difference for me. I think Washington State utilizes their running backs as well in the short to intermediate passing game. I say 10 to 13 point win, but it is high scoring. It's a one-dimensional offense for Washington State. I remember back in September, we both were talking about how Wazoo was running the ball. That running game disappeared for the second half of the year. So I think that Michigan State defense will be able to control Falk. A couple of things to keep in mind. I mean, don't underestimate. I know you're not, but I mean, no one should underestimate the the impact of losing Mata'afa uh, during the first 30 minutes of that game. That's an opportunity for Michigan State to really move the ball, control the clock, get into the end zone with Lewerke and L.J. Scott, their running back. And the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, it's so sloppy, this offense of Washington State this year. I mean, Falk, I expected more. Thought he might contend for the Heisman Trophy. But that offense turned the ball over 29 times, including 19 interceptions. So this was not a great offensive attack for Mike Leach. They were up and down throughout the season. When they were good, they were very good. When they were bad, they were atrocious. And I think they'll be closer to that atrocious team against Michigan State. Again, what jumped out at me is Michigan State, young, got better after going 3-9 and nine last season, better as the season progressed. I think this is their opportunity to add an exclamation point to 2017 and get ready to possibly compete in the Big Ten East in 2018. Yeah, I think the matchup you want to see, I mean... Playing in the Big Ten, they, they're they not spread five wide a lot. I mean, Ohio State does it with a variation, but in terms of flinging it on each and every play, they haven't seen this style of offense playing in the Big Ten, so that could be the matchup. Now, when you talk about Michigan State from a defensive perspective, they're holding opposing offenses to 101 rushing yards per game. They're giving up 196 passing yards to opposing quarterbacks, have forced turnovers this year, plus 28 in turnover more, excuse me, plus two in turnover margin with 28 total sacks and holding opposing quarterbacks 31% on third down defense that's a, a big jump from last year they struggled when they were 3-9 and nine. but again I go back to Mike Leach last year a lackluster effort I think he gets things in motion from an offensive perspective and puts pressure on Lurkey to match them score for score and at high scoring 45-35 but I'm picking Wazoo here yeah if it's 45-35 Washington State's going to win I, I think a Tempo is going to be a real factor. You want this to be a lower-scoring, blue-collar, Big Ten-type game. I think Michigan State succeeds and heads into the offseason on a high note. Yeah, we'll turn our attention to my favorite bowl. It's NC State and Arizona State. Todd Graham will coach in this ball game. They're also supposed to name at the end of the the bowl game today Army and San Diego State. Danny Gonzalez, the defensive coordinator for San Diego State, will be the defensive coordinator for the Sun Devils next year. We'll see this defense overall, though, is an attacking defense under Todd Graham. I think they can put pressure on Ryan Finley. Not sold on Ryan Finley in a big spot. Has had a solid season. I know he has weapons like Jalen Samuels, but it's the rushing attack of Arizona State that I think wears down the front seven of NC State in this ballgame. Yeah, I mean, Arizona State's in a weird position right now. I I, I couldn't hate the Herm Edwards hire more. I mean, I I think that's going to be an absolute debacle. We'll worry about that in 2018. But individual talent, ASU has always had good speed, good playmakers. Nikhil Harry this year, the wide receiver, 
outstanding young prospect. I like Arizona State as well because I wonder about the psyche of NC State. There were times midway through the season where this was a team that could have flirted with the ACC Atlantic, possibly you know win their way into a major bowl game, and they skidded down the end, didn't play well against Wake Forest in a loss, and now... You know, the one linchpin player on defense, one of the best defenders in the entire country, Bradley Chubb, is he going to play in this game? He hasn't really stated whether or not he's going to play. If he does play, is he going to give 100% as he prepares for the NFL draft, possibly a top 10 overall pick? So I wonder about the psyche of NC State. I like the athletes of ASU. Joe mentioned the pressure. They'll blitz. They're good. They'll get after Ryan Finley. Ryan Finley's kind of a stationary quarterback in the pocket. I think this is a close game. Wouldn't be surprised if ASU wins it outright, but they're getting close to a touchdown. I think that's a good buy in this position. Yeah, I agree. A couple of factors why I also like the points here with Arizona State as well. When you look at NC State, the way you have to beat NC State is over the top. 244 passing yards allowed to opposing offenses, but they struggle with mobile quarterbacks this year. They did beat Lamar Jackson, but they also struggle with Brandon Wimbush and Kelly Bryant later in the year. And when you look at Manny Wilkins' mobility on the perimeter, that could be the difference in this ballgame in opening up play action. This is an Arizona uh, Arizona State offense averaging 187 rushing yards per game, have two solid backs in Demario Richard and Kalen Balage. To me, it's a thunder and lightning as well, and I like the offensive line of Arizona State here. We've seen them play bigger physical offense and defensive lines in Utah. They went on the road in Salt Lake City and dominated that matchup. They can force turnovers as well. That's why I like the Sun Devils. High scoring, though. Sun Bowl, I think we get a high scoring bowl game. 38-34. I'm picking the upset. Well, and I don't know how you feel about momentum. Momentum is tricky this time of year because obviously you want to favor a team that's coming in hot, but then you have a month off, so is it possible to maintain uh, that sort of a trend? And in the case of ASU, I hope so because I'm picking them. Last four games, they've scored at least 37 points in each of those games. And again, I'll go back to Bradley Chubb. He is such an influential player for NC State. Wolfpack will need him to be playing, playing hard for 60 minutes. The fact that he has been kind of on the fence as to what his participation will be, that's a major concern of mine for the Sun Bowl because it was Bradley Chubb, and I love the defensive line of NC State, Joe, but it was Bradley Chubb and kind of everybody else. I mean, he by far and away led that team in tackles for loss and sacks. If he is not playing or not playing in his totality, somebody else is going to have to step up. I like ASU in this game. I think they could be a surprise. Yeah, I agree with you. And when you look at ASU as well, let's not forget they dominated Washington at, yes. at home, they yeah. dominated a very solid blue-collar Washington team as well. And again, we brought up Ryan Finley. I mean, Jalen Samuels is a Swiss Army knife. He's utilized in a lot of different formations, fly sweeps. But Ryan Finley overall started very hot, didn't throw an interception in 312 attempts, but finished the year 16 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, really struggled down the stretch. And, to, and for me, that's the difference. Rich and I both like Arizona State in that matchup. When we come back... We'll be breaking down the other games on the slate. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonello live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. SEC Big Ten battle, Kentucky and Mark Stoops, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern. I've been all over Northwestern this year. They won seven straight games to finish at 9-3, and three, led by their rush defense, holding opposing offenses to 111 rushing yards per game the last 10 games of the year, holding opposing offenses to 92.8 rushing yards per game, picked up a solid bowl win last year, 31-24 to 24, over Pittsburgh. But I'm backing Steven Johnson and Benny Snell here in this ballgame. Kentucky in the upset 33-30 to 30 over Northwestern. Uh, I, the way you started, I thought for <laughs> sure you were on the Big Ten's Wildcats. Uh, I, I Listen, I like Northwestern for many of the reasons that you just mentioned. Uh, Northwestern's defense is outstanding. They stopped the run. They got a couple of linebackers that came on so fast this year. Patty Fisher, Nate Hall, tough up front with Joe Gaziano. And if you could stop the run of Kentucky and Benny Snell, Steven Johnson is just so inconsistent as a passer. you got a one-dimensional offense against a defense that's playing so well. And on the Northwestern side, you've got balance. Clayton Thorson, the quarterback, announces he'll be returning next year, so no chance that he's sort of kind of thinking ahead towards the NFL. Justin Jackson, all-time leading rusher at Northwestern, they're laying a touchdown. They tend to play a lot of close games. That would be a minor concern of mine. But this is the hot team. This is the better team. This is the better coach team. Pat Fitzgerald, to me, much better than Mark Stoops. So I like the Purple Wildcats to win this game by a couple of touchdowns. Well, here's the thing. I mean, Northwestern is battle-tested. They won three straight games this year in overtime. That was the first time it's ever been done at the FBS level. So credit Pat Fitzgerald for the mindset of this team. And that's what really led to the momentum. But when you have a long layoff like this, I think it could affect certain teams. Now, you mentioned the offensive inconsistency of Kentucky overall. Rushing for 169 yards per game. They're passing for 181 through the air. And the way you have to beat Kentucky is you have to attack their secondary, Rich. They're giving up 265 passing yards per game. That's really not the strength of Northwestern. They want to run it with Justin Jackson, work off a play action, and that's where I think defensively Kentucky can have some success. They're plus five in turnover margin, plus 28 sacks on the year. Force Clayton Thorson into third down and long situations. Could be a long day for Northwestern in this ballgame. The problem for Northwestern this year, and this was another offseason topic that we discussed, is 
how do you replace Austin Carr, the wide receiver, right? I mean, he was just so prolific last year, more than 1,000 yards, more than 90 receptions. No one really stepped up to fill that void. So the problems in the passing game, I think, were less about Clayton Thorson, more about his supporting cast. That could continue for a while, but Kentucky's so inconsistent defensively as well, not suggesting that Northwestern has anyone like Lamar Jackson, but you look at that Kentucky defense at the end of the year against Louisville they just got trucked not sure if that happens in this game but but I keep going back to one-dimensional offense Benny Snell as good as he is as vocal as he is he's promising a victory giving giving some good uh, bulletin board material to Fitz and the guys so I, I love the defense of Northwestern again watch Nate Hall watch Patty Fisher watch them lock into Benny Snell they'll shut him down they'll shut him up and Northwestern will finish the season with an eight-game winning streak. Wow, well, I'll say this about Northwestern in bowl games. They've struggled against SEC opponents. They got dominated by Josh Dobbs and Tennessee a couple of years ago because of the speed of the SEC. They dominated Pittsburgh, a slower team from the ACC last year. were able to get them into a lower-scoring game, and that's why they picked up the victory 31-24. to So when I look at the speed per- perspective in this matchup, that's where I think Kentucky has the edge. I think it is high scoring as well. I think the as we inch closer to New Year's Day, we'll see a lot more high scoring games. I'm calling for the upset, 33 to 30. Rich does like Northwestern. You like low scoring though? Uh, no, I, I think uh, I, I could see Kentucky sort of being in the low 20s. I'll, I'll give it 31 21. Uh, 33-21 Northwestern. Just too much defense. I, I don't think Kentucky gets the 30 in this yeah. game. Well, we'll see how that game plays out. It is a prelude to the Cotton Bowl. A very intriguing matchup. Should be in the Rose Bowl. Ohio State and Urban and Meyer. USC and Clay you say that uh, You say that in a sort of a mocking way. Well, I used to be a huge Buckeye fan, and Greg Fry knows this. Carlos Snow, Vince Workman back in the day, Zach Dumas. But now what all Urban does is he coaches them up. He coaches up that defense. And last year, unfortunately, they got throttled by Clemson from a speed advantage. And I think that's the matchup that you'll see play out in this Cotton Bowl. I like Sam Darnold. I like the speed of USC. And more importantly, I like the defensive front that has 43 total sacks on the year to get pressure on JT Barrett. I'm not sold on this offense overall, even though Ohio State rushing for 250 yards per game on the ground with J.K. Dobbins passing for 270 through the air. More complete quarterback is Sam Darnold, and I think USC gets a convincing victory. I think they blow them out. 17 points or more in this matchup. Uh, This is a fascinating game. I mean, of all the non-playoff games, I I think this is the one I'm looking forward to the most, just because of the preponderance of talent, the history between these two schools. Joe mentions Rose Bowl. They've met in seven Rose Bowls before. Shocking to me when I looked it up, uh, 1985, the last one. You would have thought that these two traditional powerhouses would have met at least once in the last three decades in the Rose Bowl. Hasn't happened. Uh, I like Ohio State for the very reason that you touched on, Joe, which was the Clemson game happened last year. I I could see Ohio State not being focused after finishing fifth just on the outside of the playoff looking in. Maybe they're demoralized. Maybe they're having a hard time getting motivated. But the fact that they lost 31 to nothing in last season's playoff game against Clemson, I think Urban Meyer has to have this game. I think there's a bit of pressure on him, not 
hot seat wise or anything ridiculous like that. I just think he needs for his own brand, his own image, the momentum of this program. I think he needs to win this game. They cannot lay an egg against USC. USC has some vulnerabilities on defense and along the offensive line. And their offensive line against the defensive line of Ohio State, Nick Bosa, Tyquan Lewis, Sam Hubbard, the depth that they have, I think that's where the mismatch occurs. Ohio State comes out in this Cotton Bowl with something to prove. I think they win. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think they cover this game maybe about a 13 or 14-point victory. Really? Yeah. By Ohio State? We'll you see. Have USC winning by 17. That I would do. be surprising. I do. Here's what I look at when I break this game down offensively for USC. Their ability to mix up formations and stretch that Ohio State defense vertically could be the matchup that you want to see play out. Ohio State holding opposing offenses to 108 rushing yards per game. They're allowing 183 passing yards to opposing quarterbacks, but when you look at their struggles this year against Iowa and Nathan Stanley, earlier in the year with Baker Mayfield, how Baker Mayfield was able to attack that defense on seam routes, Sam Darnold in this offense has the type of playmakers to stretch that secondary. That'll open up running lanes for Ronald Jones and that offense. Let's keep in mind, I mean, USC is averaging 195 rushing yards per game. Very physical offensive line that was able to wear down Stanford's defensive front. You're talking about a Pac-12, Big Ten matchup. It, It really goes down to who do you feel is the stronger team with the better quarterback. I'm backing Sam Darnold in this spot. Well, I love the fact that, you know, this is a matchup between the two programs that won their Power 5 Conference Championship and did not make the playoffs. So I I think there's a lot of storylines here. USC wins the Pac-12. Ohio State wins the uh, Big Ten, just gets... Uh, you know, beat out by Alabama for that fourth spot. So that is intriguing to me. You know, Clay Helton, I mean, Urban Meyer has been taken down a peg. I agree with that. But he's a big game coach. Clay Helton, on the other hand, eight opportunities to coach as an underdog during his USC career, one in seven. So he has not stepped up in these spots. Obviously, they're a seven, seven and a half point underdog. And then the other concern that I have is that physical offensive line of Ohio State, led by Billy Price in the middle, against that defensive front. Yes, they get to the quarterback, but USC is allowing 4.3 yards per carry. Mike Weber is healthy. J.K. Dobbins, the true freshman, is now really more of a sophomore. So that mix, that one-two punch of Dobbins and Weber out of the backfield against the defensive front of USC that is a little bit soft, can be flexed out. I think that plus J.T. Barrett. J.T. is inconsistent. I think he'll have something to prove. Love the matchup of Darnold versus that Ohio State secondary. So, I mean, there are some great head-to-head battles throughout this game. It's the Cotton Bowl Classic. I think it could wind up being a classic. I, I think it's a great matchup. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when you look at the matchup as well for JT Barrett, his his mobility on the perimeter, the speed of USC to run sideline to sideline could be the difference as well in containing JT Barrett on the outside. They have linebackers like Cam Smith that can utilize run, really stuff running lanes and force him into the outside where the, the secondary can come up and make plays up. They've shown that ability against Utah and Troy Williams, who's a mobile quarterback as well. When they needed to make plays, this USC defense stepped up. They can play man-to-man coverage on the outside. Here's the thing I look at when I look at Ohio State overall as well. I mean, 
just the type of speed from the Pac-12, that type of formation. If Sam Darnold jumps out early, the way we saw Penn State jump out against uh, JT Barrett at home, it's going to be lights out because of this offense, the way it's playing. I just think when you look at his progression this year, especially in that Stanford game, he's gaining more confidence, and especially with the bowl preparation, I give him a huge edge over JT Barrett in this ballgame. Yeah, and I, and I think from an NFL standpoint, the angle is going to be one of, one of the fun things about the bowl season is the Josh Allens, the Josh Rosens, uh, the Sam Darnolds, the Baker Mayfields, Lamar Jackson. This is likely the last time to see these guys playing at this level. So if you're an NFL guy, if you're a draft Nick, this is going to be a great offseason for the quarterbacks. Now is your last time to really analyze and break these kids down. Rich, are, Rich and I are on both sides of the fence. He likes Ohio State by 14. I like USC by 14. We'll see how it plays out next Friday. Keep in mind, Clay Helton did get the victory over Washington as an underdog last year as well. When we come back, Gabe Marenzi joins us. Best picks for the day. Keep it where it is. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. it up a notch, talking to Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. Two games on deck. Gabe, one game I really enjoy is Army-San Diego State. Really want to see which team could dictate tempo. I'm all over the cadets. How do you see this game playing out? Yeah, first uh, first things first. Uh, you know, as uh, we ended the last segment that I was on, I heard you guys debating about the FIU game and what the tempo uh, uh, would have been and what the outcome would have been. If Magoo didn't get hurt, I agree with Rich. We clearly could tell after that one run, uh, Joe, that FIU were going to win the game. And and honestly, we were kidding around earlier that you could tell right away in these bowl games. Uh, but right away in that bowl game, what do we see? We saw the FIU defense all over Temple. Team speed, no problem. Temple didn't run away with anything in this football game. Uh, the crowd was way into it. And, uh, you know, listen, FIU had the number one red zone offense in college football. They couldn't score a touchdown. Did it matter that the quarterback wasn't there? I would have to say it did. <laughs> like, you go from the number one red zone offense in all of college football to not being able to get a bloody first down. I, you know, I think me and Rich, I hate when people lose a bet and they say, yeah, but I was on the right side. It, it was the right uh, handicap. Nah, it wasn't. We picked the loser, but me and Rich, have uh, we, we have something to hang our hat on this. We got screwed, Joe, and you know it. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that was so obvious. I mean, listen, I don't want to be a sore loser about it. I loved Florida International in that game. But you can't take the four-year starting quarterback out of the picture. Put a backup who looked like he was still in high school roaming around that Temple defense. If, if Joe and I were watching that game together, I think we would have killed each other on that. I really do. With his, with his claims to Frankie Juice of Temple, I would have killed him. I was watching it with him online. Yeah, I was I was doing a late night podcast. And, oh yeah, he was freaking out because I still had hope that FIU could come back at that. There point was a time. chance Not too. Yeah, there was a chance in that game, but the kid couldn't you know, stop throwing picks. Seven nothing all game, 
and then the kid it was wide open. Yes, it was a right in the flat. Play. It was wide open. Oh. He could have walked in. Part of the game, seven oh, seven, would have changed the dynamic. But anyways, anyways, you asked about Army, and so for the record, I'm loading up on South Florida. The number keeps coming down. It's down to two right now. I, I don't, I, I don't care. I'm, you know, follow the money. No, I'm going in the opposite direction. Give me South Florida. But as far as this Army SDSU game, there it goes, guys. Very intriguing matchup. You know, I look at this. I look at Army playing a game almost like a, a team playing a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. And the Commander-in-Chief trophy was their Super Bowl. They hadn't won a Commander-in-Chief trophy since 1996. You can't tell me. If you ask the kids on Army, who would you rather, what would you rather do? Would you rather beat SDSU in a Lockheed Martin Bowl? Or would you rather win the Commander-in-Chief trophy and beat Navy for the second straight year? And I know if there's any... Any teams and any programs that can overcome a letdown, it's a military academy because of their mental toughness. But from a football standpoint, let's look at this from SDSU's perspective. Now, listen, if you blindly bet military teams at bowl games, you're generally winning at about a 70% clip. Why is that? Because opposing teams rarely ever see the type of offenses that the military academies run. Now, well, that's not the case here with San Diego State. They face, a, they face Air Force every year. And in fact, uh, they've got a great track record. Coach Long's got a great track record against military academies. How good? He's 10-1 and one straight up. He's 10-1 and one straight up against military academy schools. He's 8-3 against the point spread. His defensive schemes, the kids understand it. They see it. They play against it. They're not going to be overwhelmed by it. Uh, they beat Air Force uh, this year rather easily in really bad weather. Um, you know, it's a tough game. It's hard laying six and a half points here. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, both teams are going to smack. This is lunch pail uh, style football here. But when it's all said and done, I see SD, SDSU winning by more than the six and a half points, guys. I like the Aztecs in a close shave. It's a close shave, uh, but I think the Aztecs are just a better football team. And I like, I like what Coach Long and the defense brings to the table here. Yeah, great point, Gabe. What about the over? I could see this game going over the 45-and-a-half, 46. I mean, in a bowl game, teams are looking to score points. Doesn't matter if San Diego State jumps out at early. Rashad Penny looking to have a big day, even the backups, if they get in. And on the flip side as well, with Army, the triple option could lead to some big plays in this ball game. You know what? Hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously, but... I wish I just hammered the over 45 in that Wyoming game uh, yesterday with Central Michigan instead of uh, loading up on Shane Morrison company. Uh, but basically where I'm going with this is when you get a total that this low, it's hard not to like the over. But we have two teams that are going to run the football so much, and that clock is going to be ticking so much. I, If I had to bet the total, I would lean with the over. And listen, man. Um, you know, I've never met an over that I didn't like. Okay, so you know, I love betting on college football overs and 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 NFL overs, but I, I can't I can't step up on this one. I think it probably gets there. I am betting the over in the South Florida Texas Tech game, uh, but I just can't get to the window on this one. But with the nightcap, I am going to pull the trigger on the over here with App State and uh, and Toledo in a rematch of the Camellia Bowl last year. Yeah, I, I think this is a fascinating game. You got a couple of conference champions. You got bragging rights for the Sun Belt and the MAC at stake. Joe and I both like App State. Uh, which direction are you heading, Gabe? Well, you know what? The MAC has generally been known. It's funny you, you bring this up because basically, let's be real. The MAC and the Sun Belt they sort of battle it out. You know, as you know, they're they're at the bottom of the totem pole. 
not to denigrate their conferences. I enjoy both conferences. Uh, so it is a rivalry. You know, it's like the Big Ten and the SEC. You know what I mean? The Mac and the Sun Belt. That is the rivalry. And the Sun Belt has generally gotten the better of them. The MAC historically has been the worst, um, the worst conference in bowl games, and you know they're very erratic. Well, you know the Ohio Bobcats played great yesterday against the Blazers, and Central Michigan were overwhelmed. You know we've seen MAC teams get overwhelmed often in bowl games. Toledo's not going to get overwhelmed, obviously. I think Toledo deserved a better bowl game than this, but I'm sure that they're fired up to play against the team that they lost to last year, 31-28. Toledo missed a field goal uh, that would have sent the game to overtime. I think we have a similar style football game, guys, as last year. Probably, you know, 31-28, but a little bit higher scoring. I think the winning team's going to have to probably get 34, 35 points. We really haven't had any classic game yet. You know, we've had a few. Uh, Marshall and Colorado State was kind of close. And we really haven't had, oh, man, calling people. Are you watching this? This is crazy. We haven't had that type of game yet. I think this might be one of these games tonight. You know, Toledo's a good program, but... You know, they, they haven't performed well in mobile games in any spots, asking them to win by this much. I think Toledo's going to get the win, but I like App State to, uh, to get the cover. Let's turn our attention to my favorite bowl. Actually, two bowl games on tap next week. Rich loves the Holiday Bowl. I love the Sun Bowl. I like Washington State and Arizona State, but I like both overs in those ball games. How do you see both of those games playing out? Well, you know, honestly... I'm a Big Ten guy, so this is where my Big Ten bias is going to come into play here. I just think the physicality uh, of the Michigan State uh, Spartans uh, on the offensive line and the defensive line in the trenches, these, these guys are mean-spirited kids, man. Uh, you know, uh, Coach D'Antonio is a heck of a coach, but you'd think that Buddy Ryan's the coach here. Like, these kids will poke you in the eye. Like, they play Bill Romanowski-style football. You know, they, they look to step on the quarterback's hand after when the quarterback is down. They're an aggressive football team. All right? They're an aggressive football team. And I just don't think Washington State's going to be able to deal with this uh, very well. I think the physicality of this Spartan team is going to be able to uh, – I think they're going to bully Washington State a bit. And, you know, you want to talk about line move, guys. You know, uh, the point spreads down to one and a half. Opened up, Washington State were four and a half point favorites when it opened. Michigan State are one point favorites right now. So clearly people are agreeing uh, with with my assessment uh, of this football game. And as far as NC State and Arizona State uh, is concerned, you know, NC State were a MDT guys, and I was, you know, I was waving, the, you know, the, 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 the pom-pom, and the wheels fell off after that Notre Dame game. And I know, I remember me and Joe went back, to the, you know, we went back to the well a couple of times with these guys. NC State are a good football team when they are a underdog. You know, when they've got a chip on their shoulder. You know, asking them to win by a touchdown is a little bit much. You know, Todd Graham, you know, he's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, but I don't get the impression that the kids didn't like him. You know, I think it was more of a program thing. And, you know, the fact that he's coaching a game, it's a unique situation. I'll take Arizona State plus the points in this game. In a high-scoring game, I agree, Joe. 59.5 is a little bit too low there. Gabe, let the winners be yours today. We'll be tweeting all day uh, with the, with your outcomes. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I know we're not going to talk before the Cotton Bowl. I love the USC Trojans plus the points next week, guys. Give me the Trojans. 
He's all over. Sam Darnold. Yeah, he also likes, uh, like you, Houston in tomorrow night's Hawaii Bowl, which yeah. for folks that are just kind of getting ready for the holiday, maybe spending time with family, that's a beautiful <laughs> backdrop for a college football it is, game. It is. Houston and Fresno State, and Gabe likes Houston, and I believe the over, and if I'm wrong, can, I apologize. Can Gabe. you see the three of us watching that Temple FIU game? No, it, I, would, I, it would be a bloodbath. What? <laughs> It really would. I, I would. I was very. I just was annoyed that I didn't get a chance to watch FIU, which I, which had the you're offensive. Still, you're still yeah, upset I am still about, fired up about that. He, yeah. And I knew. I didn't even text Rich through, throughout the show, uh, throughout the game when that was going on. But I knew when Magoo went down, and yeah. that changed the landscape. I was talking to Gabe on his show at night, but I just had a feeling that you would be irked by FIU. And, and seeing it on the Gabe right was end was well. even more. I'm Temple got the so pot. fortunate Frankie in that game. Juice. Temple played so poorly Frankie in that juice. game. Uh, Frankie Newtile throwing passes behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> that became fumbles. He was... He was terrible. The whole offense was terrible, and that defense would have gotten exposed if they actually had to play a legitimate college quarterback. So, anytime a starting quarterback goes down the, and they mi- make it past midfield, that means the team's going to win in the opening and drive. Not necessarily, but you can kind of get a feel for the fact that Florida International was going to have success moving the ball. And you can't compare an inexperienced backup quarterback with a four year start. No, it, ate, it aided, but Hood had a big day, and that defensive front seven did come through for the Owls in that matchup. When we come back, we'll We'll be giving our best picks for today and the week. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Some families are messed up while others are fine. If you think yours is crazy, well, you should see mine. On best pick time here, college football today. Rich and I started out very slow last week. I was two and four. Rich, you were one and five. You that said is correct. We're going to get back on track today. We both like Missouri. They play Texas later in the week. Drew Locke, forty-three touchdown passes. I'm just sold on the consistency of Missouri's offense as opposed to the inefficiency of Texas's offense, and more importantly, the injuries and players not playing for the Longhorns. I think Missouri wins this ball game convincingly. Yeah, I think it means more to Missouri. I like the offensive firepower. We talked about Drew Locke, nation's best 43 touchdown passes. Texas has been inconsistent offensively all year. And when they were without Connor Williams, their star left tackle, they struggled badly at the point of attack. Williams has decided not to play, so I like Mizzou as well. Yeah, we both like Utah over West Virginia. Huntley, the quarterback, is back from a shoulder injury. I think that's a big difference. Justin Crawford, leading rusher for West Virginia, will not play. He's moving on to the NFL draft. But I 
don't think it matters. I think it comes down to the physicality, offense and defensive lines of Utah. Kyle Whittingham has won four straight bowl games. I think they pick up a 10-point win over the Mountaineers. Uh, Joe, Utah historically better than anyone in the country in terms of bowl games, winning 13 of their last 14 West Virginia wins when they have the offensive firepower. Joe talked about no Will Greer behind center, no Justin Crawford out of the backfield. Kennedy McCoy will get the lion's share of the carries. I don't think they have enough offense. And again, physicality, point of contact, Utah as good as anyone. I think the Utes win as well. Yeah, tomorrow night, Houston in the Hawaii Bowl. I think it is the front seven led by Ed Oliver. They're holding opposing offenses to 149 rushing yards per game. More of a blue-collar offense with Marcus McMarion. I like the speed of Houston to dominate this ball game. I think they win this ball game 17 points or more tomorrow night. Yeah, I like Houston as well. Not as much as, as you do, Joe. I think it's a defensive struggle. Both of these teams have had problems executing on offense, converting on third down, scoring in the red zone. I just think that Houston, their speed defensively, Joe mentioned Ed Oliver, easily the best player in this game. I think he'll shine again. Fresno State's inability to move the ball consistency with McMarion in that running game, I think it'll be too much. I think Houston wins, but I think it'll be closer than you suggest. Should be an entertaining game. It is tomorrow night, 8.30 kick. The Holiday Bowl, I like Wazoo, even though Martin... And Johnson Mack are kicked off the team, and Mata Afa will not play the first half. To me, it doesn't matter. Number one, third down defense in college football will keep them in this ball game. And Luke Falk, 30 touchdown passes, exploits the Spartan secondary. I think they get a convincing 13 point victory over Michigan State to, uh, in the Holiday Bowl. Very different styles. The physicality of Michigan State. I think the Spartans are trending in the right direction under Mark D'Antonio. Youngish team at the beginning of the season. They got progressively better. I think they finished with a strong statement. This is one of my favorite picks in the entire postseason. I love Michigan State to win the holiday. Wow, Kurt Banker and the crew going up against a triple option at Navy. Navy giving up 245 passing yards per game. They're negative in turnover margin, and I like Kurt Bankert to exploit that defense vertically, and more importantly, Bronco Mendenhall in coaching this ball, ball club. Virginia with a double-digit win over the middies in this matchup. I like Navy. Don't love the game. I, you know, Navy struggles to defend the pass. Virginia has a problem against the run. Navy's going to run the ball down their throat. Uh, <laughs> give me the mids at home. Well, we're bucking heads. I love Virginia Tech. Third down defense, 25%. They're plus seven in turnover margin, four and two on the road. And the mobility of Josh Jackson on the perimeter is the difference going up against that high-octane offense in Oklahoma State. I like Oklahoma State. Too much offense, not enough playmakers for the Hokies. And Rich loves San Diego State with Rashad Penny going up against Army. I like the cadets in the upset. For Rich Sermonello, this is Joe Lisi. Have a very Merry Christmas. Happy Holiday. We'll see you next Saturday. Enjoy the games, everyone.